Well, how good was that? Why don't we give the kids another big hand? So good. How do you follow that? All right. Well, yes, happy Easter, happy Resurrection Sunday to everybody. And uh, so glad that you could be with us. And yes, I did walk up to Di and say, you're not going to wear those bunny ears on the platform because knowing her, quite likely that she would do that kind of a thing. But uh, yeah, it's Easter. And uh, yes, those bunny ears were put on me this morning. Uh, while I was given some Easter eggs and a photograph was dutifully taken and sent to all the family. You'll probably see it on the front page of the newspaper somewhere. Um, just kidding. Why don't we give our worship team a hand? Let's thank God for them. Uh, I love that song that Jacob, uh, Jake and Raquel uh, wrote. It's awesome. And uh, the first of many more. So... Uh, yeah, it's Easter, and uh, we're so glad that you're here, and whether you're watching online, or whether you're here, or whether you watch this service at a later time, we pray that this Easter, you would know the, the love of God, but also the power of the resurrection at work in your lives. So I want to pray, I have a message for you that I've been working on and been meditating on and thinking about that I hope will encourage you in your walk with God. I got a, a really encouraging uh, text uh, this morning from someone who lives on the other side of the country, and they said, I just want to wish you a happy birthday, and I just want to thank you for your spiritual leadership over this last year. And they've been watching online, they've been connected with us at a distance, and so many of the things that, you know, we've seen have been so restrictive have in many ways opened up opportunities for us to be able to, to extend our reach through the field of the um, cameras, <laughs> the, all the rest of it, all the electronic stuff. All right, let's pray. Father God, I thank you today for your amazing love and grace. I thank you that today we can celebrate Resurrection Sunday, the greatest day in history. And Lord, we honor you and we thank you today for your faithfulness. And I pray that every one of us would know your resurrection power at work in and through us. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. My wife, Di, posted uh, or took a picture of a, of a post recently and sent it to our family. And I love this. And I want to open my message with this quote. I don't know where it came from, um, but it's a powerful quote. And it said, The greatest man in history had no servants, yet they called him master. Had no degrees, yet they called him teacher. Had no medicines, yet they called him healer. He had no army, yet kings feared him. He won no military battles, yet he conquered the world. He committed no crime, yet they crucified him. He was buried in a tomb, yet he lives today. His name is Jesus. Why don't we give Jesus this morning a big, big ovation and thank him, the greatest man in history.
I want to read a, a passage of Scripture to you, and the text that we're using, uh, I'm using this morning is from Luke's Gospel, his account of the resurrection along with John's account of the resurrection. And as you know, our theme for Easter is till the end of time, which was the last words that Jesus spoke to His disciples. And I'm reading today from Luke chapter 24, and the title of my message is, I am with you always. I am with you always. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. The stone, by the way, was probably four to six feet in diameter, about one foot thick, and probably weighed anything from one to two tons. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And as they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then he remembered, they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe. Have you ever noticed that sometimes it takes longer for men to believe than the women? Someone said all the time. However, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. Now, I want to jump to the day of the ascension where Jesus ascended into heaven 40 days later, Matthew 28, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Listen to this, and lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Amen. I am with you always. Notice didn't, Jesus didn't say, I will be with you always. I want you to take note of that if you would this morning. He didn't say, I will be with you always. He said, I am with you always. Ever had a conversation with someone and they said, I'll be there? And they weren't. I've had many conversations with people who've come to church and said, oh, yeah, I'd love to come back and haven't come back. Or maybe we've said at times, I'll be there, but we know deep down inside we're just being polite. So here we have Jesus saying, I am with you always. And it's important for us to, note, to take note of this because I am is one of the redemptive names of God. Jesus was not just saying, I, will, I am with you till the end of the age. He said, I am that I am 
will be with you forever. And remember when Moses, God told Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt and I want, I'm going to use you to deliver my people from Egypt. And Moses was, was freaking out. He didn't want to go back. And he said, he made all sorts of excuses. And then finally, at the end of it, he said, well, if I do go back anyway, who shall I say sent me? And God said, tell them, I am that I am has sent me. I am is one of the redemptive names of God. Jesus said to them, I am the resurrection and the life. And in John's gospel, there are seven I am statements. If you study the gospel of John, John's gospel is divided up between seven miracles and seven I am statements. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine, and I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me, though he may die, yet shall they live. Jesus wasn't just saying, I'm with you always. He was saying, I am who I am is with you always. The Almighty is with you always. The one to whom nothing is impossible is with you always. The one who uh, across the pages of the Bible revealed himself as the God of miracles. I am with you always. And the resurrection was the final proof of his sovereignty over every single area of life. It was the it was the final proof that Jesus will always be with us. And that's why Paul said, I'm convinced in Roman eight, Romans 8, convinced. He didn't just say, I think, I hope, uh, maybe. He said, I am convinced. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. What an amazing thing to be convinced about. What an amazing thing for us to have as a, as a revelation. And in Acts chapter 1 and verse 3, Luke, who wrote the, the, the book of Acts, says that Jesus presented himself alive after his suffering, listen to this, by many infallible proofs. The word infallible there also means unmistakable. By many unmistakable proofs, being seen by them for 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. The resurrection proved without any doubt that there's nothing that will ever be able to separate us from God and that God is with us at all times, in every situation, however we're, we're feeling. And the resurrection and the hope of the resurrection of the dead gives us that hope and it gives us that, that sense of God in the midst of every experience that we go through. Now, I've been reading the account of Jesus' death and resurrection 
for many, many decades. Many decades. It means I'm older than Reno, who turned 40 today. Where's Reno? And I just recently got a copy of the Bible called The Story. And it's written as a novel. It's a book. It's about 400 pages long. I just ordered 10 copies that I'm going to send to every member in my family. Maybe we should get some here if you want to get a hold of a copy. And I just read over this Easter period the whole story of the crucifixion and the resurrection. And as I read it in this translation, it came to life in a new way. It's, it's the words from the New International Version of the Bible, but it's written in such a way that it flows between all four of the Gospels. And it's a very powerful account of the story. But as I was reading the story, I read that there were three things that stood out in this story. That this was a story of loss, it was a story of unbelief, and it was a story of failure. And I think that that's significant because out of that, out of that loss came new life. Out of that unbelief came faith. And out of that failure came success and significance. And it's those three things that I want to talk about today as we look at the power of the resurrection, because the reality is that when Jesus is with us, the power of His resurrection is working in us. I want to say that again. When Jesus is with us, the power of His resurrection is working in us. So the more I am with Jesus, the more I seek Him, the more I talk to Him, the more I embrace Him, the more of His resurrection power is working at in me, so where there's loss, I can believe for new life. Where there's unbelief, I know that God will bring faith to me. And where there is failure, I know that God can bring success and significance out of that, which is why the Apostle Paul says this, and I love this in the message version of the Bible. He says, it's resurrection, resurrection, always resurrection that undergirds what I do and say the way I live. How about that? It's resurrection, resurrection, Always, he couldn't think of another, a better word to describe it. Always resurrection that undergirds what I do and say the way I live. So in this story, the greatest story in a sense, because if there are three, the three most significant days in human history are the day that Jesus was born, the day that Jesus died, and the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And in this story, the first thing I want to highlight and I want us to take a look at is that Jesus demonstrated through his resurrection, I am with you always in your times of loss. I am with you always in your times of loss. Now the disciples, if you remember the first passage of Scripture I read that, G, uh, that Peter went away from the tomb wondering what all of this meant. They didn't have the hindsight that we do. And so the emotions, the roller coaster of emotions that they were going through at this time between Good Friday, the Friday 
and Sunday, three days later, they, they, hadn't, they, they still could not comprehend or understand what was happening. And there's a story in Luke 24, and it's a long story, but it's one of the great stories in the Bible about how two of the disciples, not the 12 or the 11 that were left, but two of the disciples, Cleopas was the name of one, and there was another unnamed disciple, were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They were on the Emmaus Road. And while they were walking, someone came up and began to walk alongside them and said, what is it that you're discussing? And why is it that you're looking so sad? And why are you looking so downcast? And they stopped. And in the New Living Translation, it says, with sadness written all over their faces, they turned to Jesus. And they said, are you the only person in Jerusalem that does not know what has just happened, how Jesus of Nazareth, the one that we had hoped would be the Messiah, was taken and crucified. And now we are waiting, and we'd hoped that he was going to be the one who would fulfill all of our hopes. And then the, some women who got up early. Why is it the women that always get up early? And it was some women who got up early and went to the tomb. And here's something worth noting for all the women. Jesus revealed himself first to the women. And Jesus appeared to these women, and, and, and they said that his body was missing. And they'd seen angels who told him that Jesus was alive. And some of our men ran out to see, and his body's gone, just as the women said. And Jesus said to them, oh, you foolish people. It's very encouraging when Jesus says to you, you foolish person. <laughs> if he has, you're not alone. You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the Scriptures? Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering His glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. Jeannie French. What an amazing Bible study that would have been. How many people love to study the Bible? What an amazing study. Jesus himself revealing all of the Scriptures. And by this time, they were coming to the end of their journey, and Jesus acted as if he was going on. And they begged him, stay with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them, and they sat down to eat, and he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them, and suddenly their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and at that moment he disappeared. And they said to one another, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the Scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. Note that, within the hour, they were on their way back. There they found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Jesus appeared to them, the resurrected Jesus, in the hour of their greatest sense of loss. And sometimes when we go through loss, Jesus is with us, but we just don't recognize that He's with us. 
whatever experience we're going through, whatever loss we have experienced, however deep the wound, however deep the loss, the resurrected Christ will always be with us in our sorrows, in our disappointments, in our sadness, in our broken heart. And here they were saying, we'd hoped, and all of our hopes have been dashed, and all of our expectations, and all that we had thought was going to eventuate has not turned out. And Jesus walked along, and He listened to them, and He, he heard them, and He heard their heart. And I want to encourage you, if you're going through a time of loss, don't bottle it up. Talk to Jesus about it. Even if you can't sense His presence, even if you can't feel his presence. He's with you. He's walking with you. And sometimes he intentionally does not reveal himself to us because he wants us to pour out of our hearts what's in us. Jesus wants us to know that he is with us always in our times of loss. Because He not only wants to comfort us, He wants to do something greater than comfort us. He wants His resurrection life to come out of our loss. And the story of Easter is that Jesus, the loss of Jesus, brought a resurrected Christ. The loss of Jesus brought new life. And the resurrection brings new life to us in whatever area we've experienced loss. Whether it's the loss of a loved one, New life can come because God is a God who brings life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Though you die, yet shall you live. That's why, um, that's why Paul said, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Death has been swallowed up in victory through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I'm always reminding myself about that this eternity is a long time. Our lives. Reno turned 40 today. He's halfway. Some of us are past halfway. Some of us are expecting to become centurion, or sent, what is it, a, a, someone who turns a hundred, a centenarian, or if I turn a hundred, I'll get a letter from the queen. The only thing is the queen won't be alive when I turn a hundred, so it may be the king. I'm not going to get into whether I want a letter from him or not. Jesus wants to bring new life out of our loss. Whether it's this year, so much loss seemingly in the last 12 months with COVID and all that has ensued, people who've lost their lives, people who've lost loved ones, people who've lost their jobs, people who've lost finance. And it seems like how on earth out of all this can God brings something good. The resurrection story tells us that that Friday, which was such a horrific Friday, 
became Good Friday. Why did it become Good Friday? Because of the resurrection. Because Jesus rose from the grave, and in our time of loss, God can work, and He can bring new life. The second thing that Jesus demonstrated through His resurrection was, I am with you always in your times of unbelief. Now, I'm not going to ask you this, but if I was to ask you, have any of you experienced unbelief at any time since you accepted Christ as your Savior, we should all put our hands up straight away. Because it is something, doubt and unbelief are something that we all struggle with. And sometimes we put on a brave face and you look at me and I stand up here and you think, man, he probably never doubts or never experiences one moment of unbelief. The reality is we are all plagued with doubt, unbelief, thoughts that can drag us down. And the disciples were no different. They'd walked with Jesus for three years. At least Jesus called them foolish and slow to learn. But they'd been with him three years, and they still doubted. And he'd explained the Scriptures to them over and over again. And we read about how Jesus said, Oh, foolish, you are so hard to believe all the, what the prophets had written. And it's interesting here that in these times of unbelief, what does Jesus do? He keeps bringing them back to His Word. And that's significant and important for us to understand because in times of unbelief, where should we go? We should always go back to the Word. And when the disciples on the road to uh, Emmaus were, were doubting, when the disciples in the upper room was doubting, Jesus again repeated what He'd said to the two on the Emmaus road. He said, he said Do, don't you believe what the Scripture said? And He reiterated what the Scripture said. Jesus, who Himself was the Word made flesh, pointed them to the Word of God in their times of unbelief. And I want to encourage you that when we're experiencing unbelief, don't, don't let the Word of God be the last place you go. Let the Word of God be the first place that you go. I have a Bible that is the words of Jesus. It's very much, very ancient, this Bible, and it's falling apart, which is glad why I'm not falling apart. And it's the words of Jesus are written in red. And I constantly go back to the Word of God. My wife Di, every morning I see her sitting in the same place, reading the Word of God, going to the Word of God early in the morning, because that's where our faith grows. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And Jesus said, didn't I tell you? I told you everything written about me. And then, of course, the most famous and well-known story of unbelief is Thomas. Thomas, who unfortunately got the name Doubting Thomas from the fact that he doubted Jesus' resurrection. And he said, unless I put my finger in, in the nail prints in his hand, and unless I put my hand in his side, I won't believe. And a few days later, it was a week later, I believe, that Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And you can imagine Thomas probably would have fallen back. And, and, and he said to Thomas, put your finger here. 
See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. And this is what Thomas said, and this is significant. He said, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. That was a declaration of faith. Faith came out of his unbelief when he had an encounter with the resurrected Christ. And when we have an encounter, when Christ, when we understand that Christ is with us and his resurrection power is working in us, faith can come out of unbelief. Out of our moments of unbelief, faith can rise and Jesus will show himself to be the great I am, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one to whom nothing is impossible. And then finally, the third thing that I want to highlight today is that Jesus demonstrated through his resurrection, I am with you in your times of failure. If I was to ask everyone in this place, have you failed at any time? We've all failed. In fact, the Bible says we have all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But apart from that, failure is a part of our human experience it's a part of our weakness. It's a part of our humanity that we fail. And so often we, we feel like God measures us according to our success or our failure, but He doesn't. He shows Himself faithful in our failure and in our success as long as we allow the power of His presence and His resurrection to, to, uh, to enter into that sphere where we have failed. One of the most classic and, 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 and well-known stories of failure is, of course, Peter, who denied Jesus three times. And Jesus said, I'm going to go to the cross. And Peter said, if you die, I, I'm going to follow you to the cross. And Jesus turned to him and he said, before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. I remember the very first time I went to Israel. I've been twice. The first time I went to Israel, we stayed in a village, Ein Karem, which is just outside of Jerusalem, where John the Baptist was born. And we arrived late at night, and I woke up early in the morning to the sound of a cock crowing. And straight away, I thought about that morning when Peter denied Jesus. And sure enough, the Bible tells us that Peter denied Jesus three times. And here's the most heart-wrenching part of the story, is that in Luke's gospel, and Luke who expresses the humanity of Jesus and our humanity more than any of the other writers of the gospel, as soon as uh, Peter denied Jesus the third time, Jesus turned and looked at him. Peter would never forget that look that reminded him of his failure. I'm sure that when he went to sleep at night, that look would have been what was at the forefront of his thinking. And he went out and he wept bitterly. And some days after that, some time after that, Jesus told the disciples, I'm going fishing. He went back to his default mode. How many of you know that often in crisis, we go back to our default mode? what we used to do before we're on the path of God's purpose and plan for our lives. When we're in a crisis, don't go back to default mode. 
stay on track with your God-given purpose and destiny. And they went fishing. And guess what? They fished all night and caught nothing. And then in the morning, someone standing on the shore calls out to them, cast your nets out onto the other side of the boat. And they do it. They cast their nets out onto the other side of the boat, and they throw their nets in the water, and they catch 153 fish. The Bible tells us there were 153 fish that they caught, and, and straight away, John said, it's the Lord. And Peter, who was the first to speak, the first to deny Jesus, the first to put his foot in his mouth, it says he put his, I don't know what he was wearing, but he put some clothes on, and he jumped into the water and he swam to the shore, and Jesus was there, and he said, bring some fish, and he cooked them breakfast on the beach. One day, maybe we could have breakfast on that beach. But in the meantime, Jesus wants to sit with us. And he asked Peter three questions. He said, Peter, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Then he answered, yes, Lord, uh, uh, and then he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurting because Jesus asked him the third time. Because I think by this time, Peter realized that there was something significant about these declarations that he was making that were in a sense, an opportunity for him to be restored where his denials became a declaration of Jesus' love. His confession that I didn't, he didn't even know Jesus was a confession now of his love for Jesus. And Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. The resurrected Jesus gave Peter an opportunity to have a new beginning for success and significance to be birthed out of his failure. And the story of the resurrection is all about that. We have all failed. And yet out of Jesus' resurrection, we have the opportunity to know success and more than success, significance in what we do. It's interesting that straight after that, Jesus said to him, he says, I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. Peter had made a confession to Jesus that even if Jesus went to the cross, he would go to the cross with him. 
and yet he had dismally failed. He'd not only not gone to the cross, he'd denied Jesus three times. And now after his declaration of love for Jesus, for every denial, a declaration of his love, Jesus says, now I'm going to give you an opportunity to go to the cross. But it's not now. It's not tomorrow. It's many years from now. Many years from now, someone will take you and nail you to a cross so that you can fulfill your destiny And in the interim, you will declare the wonder of my grace and my resurrection power to the world. And if you go to Italy, which I had the good fortune to be able to do for the first time just a couple of years ago, and you go to St. Peter's uh, Basilica there in Rome, there's the place where Peter is buried, and there's the place near there where Peter was crucified upside down because he refused to be crucified in the same manner as Jesus because he didn't feel worthy and requested that he be crucified upside down. And so Peter, despite his abject failure, had an opportunity through the resurrection to turn his denials into a declaration, to turn the deviation from his, his, his path and his commitment to follow Christ, even to the grave, even to a painful, agonizing death, he had the opportunity to do it again. And in the interim, to continue to declare the greatness of God and do what God told all of the disciples when he said, go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them whatsoever things I have taught you and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The message of Easter, the message of Resurrection Sunday is the, that the am, that I am, is with us. And in our loss, He can bring new life. And in our unbelief, He can bring new faith. And in our failure, He can bring new success and new significance. Because He is not here. He is risen. Would you give Jesus a big hand of praise? Stand to your feet if you would. And our worship team are going to come to the platform right now. I want to take a moment to pray for people. And then we're going to sing a chorus of this song. If you're here today and you just need today on Easter Sunday to know that resurrection power of God that raised Jesus from the dead, that enables us to walk in newness of life, In these moments, as we've been pondering what Jesus did, I want to encourage you to reach out to God as we worship Him. And I pray that faith would rise where there's been unbelief, that new life, a sense of new life, would would, would impact you powerfully this morning, wherever there's been loss, and that wherever there's been failure, We can have a revelation of the hope that we have for success and significance coming out of any of our failures.
So, Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you that this Sunday is Resurrection Sunday and that because you are with us, your resurrection power is available in our own lives and in every part of our life and world, our relational circles, our workplace, our families, our calling, our community. Lord, we pray that that same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead would be released in our lives as we draw close to you. Touch each and every heart, I pray in Jesus' name. Come on, let's worship together for a moment.
to take a moment to pray, and if you would close your eyes, I want to ask every single person, whether you're watching online or whether you're here today, to take a moment to think about your relationship with God, your relationship with Jesus. And maybe you've never, ever accepted Christ as your Savior, accepted what Jesus did for you. You don't have to do anything to earn it. He did it for us. And he gave his perfect sacrifice as a free gift that we might know what it is to be forgiven, to have the weight of guilt of the sin that all of us have committed lifted off our shoulders, to know his peace in our lives, and to know that we've received the promise of eternal life because the penalty for our sin has been paid through his death and that we can know his resurrection power in every area of our lives. And I want to pray a prayer today. And if you've never done that, or maybe today you want to make a recommitment of your life to Christ, you did it in the past, but you kind of been like Peter. You've gone fishing for a few years and you need to come back. And Jesus is calling you. I want to pray this prayer. Repeat it after me. And I know that God will hear your prayer and he will answer your prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me, and I thank you for what you did on the cross for me. I thank you that you conquered death, and you rose from the grave so that I can receive the gift of eternal life. Today, I receive you as my Savior and my Lord, and I determine in my heart, I'm going to follow you as you lead me from this day on in Jesus name I pray amen amen and amen